Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and I've finally started watching the latest rendition of Interview with a Vampire. I am producer Dave. Yes, I'm very much enjoying my uh, viewing of Interview with a Vampire. I'm not too sure where you've gotten to, but I think I've just I've just finished the third episode. I'll be going on to the fourth. So yes. So I've 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 definitely finished the first episode. I believe I started watching the second episode, but I had to stop it. Um, it's difficult watching with kids running around wanting to watch other stuff. It's like you have to pause when certain, especially with something like Interview with a Vampire, uh, where you have to pause when a, when a kid runs into the room and quickly fast forward, and then you miss some stuff, and then you have to rewind. <laughs> and, and it's and it's on iPlayer as well. I'm watching on iPlayer, so the the rewind functionality is not as great as no, it's not. It's, it's it, it is really bad. <laughs> yeah, so you'll rewind and you'll jump all the way to the beginning, and then you will fast forward, and it goes all the way to the end, and you're like, ah, I've just seen something I didn't want to see, and it's like, oh, fair enough. So I paused on that one, um, and I will get I will get back to it by the end of the week. 
and I will watch it. But I let me say this. I I I know you were you were raving about it. You did rave about the first episode. It it was a great episode. I went into it not know I knew who the main character was. Uh, Jacob Anderson, right? So Jacob Anderson plays uh, the the main character. If you know Interview with the Vampire, it's essentially that it, it, the story based it's uh, based on the Anne Rice novel, uh, where a vampire gives an interview to a journalist. And you see a flashback on his life and you get to see how he was turned into a vampire by uh, by his maker, Lestat. Uh, so this is, uh, his, his name is, he, Jacob Anderson plays uh, Louis Dupont du Lac. And he's talking about, and, and you were right where you said that they had relocated it to, uh, to like 1910, 1920s. It's not even the 1920s, it's probably even slightly earlier, maybe the 1900s, early 1900s. Uh, in New Orleans, so you've got uh, you've got the, the nice jazz music, you've got the the, the the flourishing costumes and all that kind of stuff, and it's great. I really really enjoyed that first episode. What was the real kicker for me was I didn't check to see who was playing Lestat before I went into it, so it was a real surprise when I saw Sam Reed pop up. If you don't know who Sam Reed is. Uh, there's a there, he's in Bell, he's in seventy one, he's in the Railway Man, uh, Railway Man. But I saw him for the very first time in a show called The Newsreader, which is on. Uh, it should be on BBC iPlayer as well. It's set in the seventies in Australia. Following, I, I think I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's based. It, it's sort of um, inspired by a real event. So it's about a news broadcaster and a news anchor man and a news anchor woman in Australia when major historical events occurred, like the moon landing and so on and so forth, all that kind of stuff just happening around that time. And Sam Reed is amazing. I mean, that voice alone, his voice sounds like it comes, this, this is going to sound very weird, so just bear with me for a few for a couple of minutes. His voice sounds as if he's talking from the back of his throat, right? It's very guttural, it's very deep, and it comes as though he's forcing it from the back of his throat, but it just gives you, it's, I, I've described this often, it's like very mellow hot chocolate, right? It's like, it's soothing, you hear it, and the booming of the voice, it just comes, it's, it's a, there's no rough gravelly sound, like, you know, bass, it's very, it's very refined, but deep and Oh, the bass is just anyway. I'm I'm crushing over this guy just for his voice, but he's fantastic. He kills Lestat. He is amazing as the actor. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I really really enjoyed that first episode. Um, so I'm I, I'm I'm going to go back. I'm going to restart the second episode when nobody else is in the house, and I'm going to watch it without skipping and fast forwarding and whatnot. So, producer Dave, what what is your opinion of uh, of Interview with the Vampire so far? Oh, I love it. Like I said, after the first five minutes of accidentally stumbling on it, I was hooked and watched the end of that episode and then went had to go back and watch the first episode because I, I started with the second, I got in the middle of the second episode. Um, I was hooked straight away and I love the way they've updated it. I love the fact that um, even though they've updated it and it's kind of shifted from Europe to to America, um, they've shifted it from Europe, France, Europe, I think it was, to 
essentially France, America, which was New yeah. Orleans. So they've got that um, that French connection there, the names and, and everything else. And they tackle all the issues that were going on at that time. So it's very, very contemporary. I love some of the supporting actors in there as well. I think I think they're really, really great. I, I'm, I'm just totally hooked. It's one of those series that has um, got me and I will be watching it. And even though I'm taking my time with it, it will be finished very shortly. Yes, uh, I agree with you. I, it'll, for me, it'll take a few more weeks because I obviously dot it or dot other shows in between. Um, for example, I started watching, this is a change of pace, but I started watching uh, Mr. Inbetween. Have you ever heard of Mr. Inbetween? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's three seasons in, on um, on Disney Plus, and it is... It's it's it follows a um, a hitman in Australia. He's uh, uh, Ray Shoesmith, played by Scott Ryan. Scott Ryan created the the show, uh, wrote most of the, the episodes, uh, and it's based on a film that he did again that he wrote, produced, directed, um, and starred in in like two thousand and five called uh, The Magician. And it's just basically about this character who's a hitman. Uh, so the, the description on IMDb says. Ray Shoesmith is a father, ex-husband, boyfriend, brother, and best friend. Tough roles to juggle in the modern age, especially if you're also a criminal for hire. So his main job as a criminal is, well, his main job is he's a bouncer for a nightclub, but he's also a hitman, a fixer kind of thing. So people tend to go to him whenever they need stuff done. How can I, I tried describing this for Jacob, right? For, for, for mini, mini Marcus, Uh, because every, every night again, he asks me to recommend new shows for him. And first of all, it's an 18 rated show. Uh, it's each episode is about 25 to 30 minutes long. It feels shorter than that. And it's like when the first episode finished, I was like, it's finished already. And it, it felt like it was 15 minutes, but it's like a 25 minute episode, uh, show per episode. And it's very like its main character, like its protagonist. It is very restrained, very laid back and has moments of just shocking violence that just occur not every episode as well just every other episode and something will happen it'll be like it'll be it'll either engage in something or it'll be a crime he's about to commit or something he's about to do and it's shocking and when i say shocking violence i'm not comparing compared to something like the to like um the boys not like that not like the boys or uh what's the other one also with the guy from the, the played homelander it's it's not too it's not too in your face shocking, but it's just moments of violence that occur interspersed with very understated comedy. It kind of how can I compare? I want to I want to try and compare it with something like Flight to the Concords, but that might be a but bear with me one second. So Flight to the Concords, New Zealand comedy. Obviously, that is a musical comedy. They interspersed with with uh, with the two guys singing songs and so on and so forth. Cut the songs out. When you look at the comedy of Flight of the Concords, a lot of it is um, is interactions between the between Kiwis, the New Zealander people. Very funny, very understated, very low. But you listen to it, and it's it's very witty. It's silly comedy, right? That's the same thing with Mister In Between. Most of it, each scene, like almost every scene, will start off with two people just sitting, having a very, very mundane conversation to just, it's like, 
take Pulp Fiction. I know I'm bouncing from one, one place to the next. One great thing that Pulp Fiction had was how you saw these criminals. And in the very first scene of Pulp Fiction, not the very first scene, sorry, um, when you first see uh, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta, they're in the car, they're having a conversation about Big Macs and Burger, you know, uh, the difference between uh, Big Mac, or uh, what is it, McDonald's in America versus Paris, right, where the uh, Vega has just come back from. So they're having that kind of very mundane conversation. And then the other conversation when they're heading towards to go and kill someone, they're talking about, uh, you know, giving a foot massage to someone's wife and so on. So it's very mundane, silly conversations, but there's humor in it. That's the same thing with Mr. Inbetween. It's just you see these, t- these two people will sit down and have a very mundane conversation. But when you're listening to it, you're like, this is this is great. It's just mellow, funny um, and very endearing. And the character, main character, Ray Shoe Smith, played by Sean Ryan, he is. I had to go back and look at his history because he he hasn't done anything else except The Magician and this show. And in his history, in his biography, there was something where he, he wrote where he said how he lived 13 years with a monk and he learned Tai Chi. He didn't have sex, didn't drink. And so and, and you, it's like you can imagine that after those 13 years, the way it would mellow a person out is exactly how he is on there. He is so restrained moments. And even because throughout the show, he is attending. Um, what is this thing where where you have, you know, for people who have uh, aggression, um, where you're in counseling sessions, where it's like group settings, um, anger management. He's going to like anger management therapy, where it's like people who who have to deal with their anger issues, sit around in a circle and they talk and whatnot. And you're like. I don't know why you're here. <laughs> I don't know why you're in this room. There have been moments, and you'll see moments where he'll snap and hit someone or fight someone, but a lot of them are very well deserved uh, compared to some of the other characters. Anyway, I'm just I'm I'm raving for this show because it is a it's a it's a hidden gem in uh, Disney Plus that I I think everybody should go and check it out. Go check it out, and Bruce Dave, when you get the chance, check out Mister In Between. I found out about this show mainly from clips on Facebook and, you know, Facebook shorts and, and YouTube shorts and stuff. And they'll have snippets of, of different scenes. And I'm like, I've always been, I want to go and check it out. I want to check it out. And I did. And I, I'm, I breezed through two seasons in the space of four days. Um, and I'm on season three, which is the last season, I believe. And I, I can't, I, I, I'm just, I can't wait to get, get back into it. It's a great show. Missed in between. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. I'll put it on the list. Yeah. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're going to jump straight into film and TV news. Producer Dave, just before we started the show, you said something that was that that horrified. No, it didn't horrify me. It it made me gasp because it is something that I'm I panic about constantly anyway. And it seems the worst news is even coming up pretty soon. Um, tell us what you found out about prices for streaming streaming services. Yeah, I got a notification not too long ago um, from Apple TV. 
and it was that they're going to increase their prices from next month to um, I think at the moment it's six ninety nine per month and it's going to go up to eight ninety nine per month. Now you think, oh, that's not too bad, but earlier this year it went from four ninety nine to six ninety nine. So this year it's increased their prices. It's going to make in, increase their price twice during the course of the year and it's almost a hundred almost a hundred percent it's gone from five pounds a month to basically nine pounds a month not only that disney plus is increasing their price as well um, that's now currently i think 8.99 that's going to go up to 10.99 and at, as some people already know netflix has again increased their prices on some of their plans not all of them they're all introducing these ad supported plans, or I think most of them are introducing ad supported plans, which is at a lower price. Some of them, it restricts some of the shows that you can watch as well. And you get only a certain bandwidth as well. You don't get the Super HD, you get just like ordinary standard definition. Slowly but surely, the prices are going up. Well, not even slowly, twice in one year for some streaming services is not slowly they are gradually increasing the price on people and justifying it by saying well there's the ad supported one you can watch ads and pay a lower price but uh, I, I, I think I, people I, need to watch out for this i uh, yeah i'm now going i will have to i i that's the that's the way they get me and they, they, the fact that they're doing it they're increasing it incrementally like that is so far has been uh, allowing me to easily say it's fine i'll take the hit no problem but the way you put it now with the fact that apple for example have done it twice in a year i'm now beginning to go no i'm reaching my limit i'm not I'm no longer going to shell out all my my salary just for streaming services because ever since the last time we had the conversation about me needing to cut down i i still haven't cut down and a lot of these streaming services i'm not even watching i saw the other day lionsgate apparently i'm subscribed to lionsgate through amazon prime and I haven't I haven't seen an a Lionsgate show in years, so I'm going to have to sit down and take a sickle and start hacking away at all of the streaming services. And this is the this is the motivation that's going to get me to do it. The fact that uh, what's his name uh, Ted Lasso has finished. Uh, they're not doing any more episodes of Ted Lasso. Uh, I've already seen each episode of the entire three seasons three times at least. So I think I can stop. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably pull back on Apple TV and see what happens. And then but the thing, Silo is going to pop, is going to release season two. And I'm going to be like, oh, I've got to get Silo. See, I'm already talking myself out of it already. I've got, I've got Apple TV. I've got uh, Netflix. I've got Disney plus I've got Amazon prime. I've got all of the different things that are in there. And it's like, ugh, all right, I need to try and cut back somehow so well uh, like i said before you know you 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 sort of like rotate them around you you say you like silo that's going to be released weekly you can cut um apple apple tv plus until silo finishes then get it back for a month binge watch it and everything else that you want to watch and then get rid of it i i to be quite honest i mean you know a lot of what they're doing at the moment is based on um subscriber indifference or what have you once yes. you subscribe you you tend to forget about it and just like let it just carry on and carry on and carry on until yeah, something happens 
Exactly. So what you do is you sort of like monitor it, you watch the shows that you want, cut it, and then when a season comes back, like for instance, Ted Lasso, uh, if another season came along, which I doubt, mm-hmm. but if another season came along, it would be released weekly. You can either sign up for it weekly, knowing full well that you'd have to be there for two or three months, or you yeah. could just wait until it's finished and then sign up, watch the entire lot, and then cut it. It's what you can do. It's one of the things you, you can do. Things. But you have to be very organized. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to do that. I know Disney Plus uh, are not doing that. Where they At the moment, my Disney Plus one is on an annual subscription. So it'll be a little difficult for me to do that. Um, but yeah, because it's cheaper doing it annually, even though it's like just one hit and you, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. I pay that amount. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about it anymore. So um, Disney Plus will be there. And I'll keep doing that. Plus, a, a, a correction. Disney Plus is currently $7.99. Yeah. From the 1st of November... A few days ago, it went up to ten ninety nine. Yeah, um, and that's the thing because I paid annually. I made that payment, and it was done before the price increase. I didn't have to pay the extra bit uh, for that price increase. Uh, it's going to be the next time I need to pay for it that that's going to be factored into it. Mm. So I'll have to. We'll see. Let's see. Hopefully, I I I, I hit the lottery by that point. <laughs> and no longer an issue because I'd be like, eh, it's okay. My, you know. I, I've I've put one hundred thousand pounds in this account, and that mm. will take care of all of my streaming services, which will include <laughs> even YouTube Prime and whatnot, and so and so forth. So, oh, we'll... another piece of news as well. I understand from a report I read earlier today that uh, Disney Plus is planning to buy the last part of uh, Hulu. Yeah, it doesn't own from Comcast. Um, currently, Comcast own a third of Hulu, thirty-three percent, and Disney Plus own, I think, what sixty-seven percent. They're going to buy the rest of it, so it's all going to come under the Disney Plus uh, umbrella sometime okay. next year. Fair enough. All right, um, that'll be that's that's good news. Um, that for, for me and for people who like Disney Plus, because then we can get some of the Hulu shows. Luckily, I, I saw a number of Hulu shows pop, um, advertised. One's called um, Artful, The Artful Dodger, which seems interesting. It's got mm. uh, uh, Do- John, no, Fluis, Fluis, Daniel. I, I I can't remember his last name, his first name. Fluis. He's a very good actor, British. Ah, he, he's, he's he's an Artful Dodger. So. I'll be looking forward to that when Disney acquire that one and see where we go from there. Hmm. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. So just before we jump into our spotlight, a little bit more added to the uh, film and TV news, uh, we wanted to talk about two actors, two very big actors who have passed away the last few weeks, Richard Roundtree uh, and Matthew Perry, two obviously completely different uh, bodies of work. Richard Roundtree, most famous for uh, playing the role John Shaft in the 70s. Anyone who who knows anything about black cinema would know Richard Roundtree. Uh, if, you, if you're at a certain age and you hear John Shaft, there are a lot of people who would say Samuel L. Jackson, which is it's not ridiculous because he did make it his own. Uh, but obviously from a certain age as well, you'd know Richard Roundtree as the main John Shaft. In fact, even in one of the uh, recent Netflix remakes or rather uh, uh, films of Shaft, they brought in sort of a, yo- a younger version of Shaft or rather his son, I think it's his son. And then 
they brought Richard Roundtree in as uh, Samuel Jackson's father. So you had the three of them uh, in in the film. The film wasn't that great, but it was. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm I'm just being honest. It wasn't that great, but it was great to see John Shaft and John Shaft uh, on on screen. So that was one who passed away recently. And then Matthew Perry, this one as well, hit a lot of people because, I don't know, people around my age would, and even younger and even slightly older would remember Friends, obviously Chandler. The, almost, I'd say, majority of people who watch the show would pick him as their favorite character, their favorite actor, Matthew Perry. Massive, massive um, uh, career just from that alone. But he obviously went and did a number of other things like Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis and uh, a couple of other TV shows that he did as well. But never really, you know, uh, hit this major success of people like Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. But him passing away recently as well, sort of, uh, it was was very, very, um, it was very very tragic. And at a young age as well. I mean, he was, what, 54 when he died, uh, whereas Richard Roundtree was 81 life well lived rich drowned tree and then 54 which i i know my kids will consider that a- ancient but that's that's not ancient at all that is literally for me i had I, I did the calculation when i found this out and i'm not giving my age away but you can if you're good at if you're if you're even basic at maths you'll be able to figure out it's less than 15 years away from from me so i if i were to kick the bucket at his age I, 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 you know, I'm not going to go into that. that I'm, I'll get depressed now and start thinking about how I need I need to achieve more of my life than than that. But anyway, plus or minus fifteen, you didn't say. Plus, plus or minus fifteen years, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but we just wanted to take this little this brief moment just to uh, say rest in peace, Richard Roundtree. Rest in, in peace, uh, Matthew Perry. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And uh, we just in, producer Dave, you mentioned just before we started recording uh, some interesting news because obviously there's been strikes that have been going on. First, it was the right to strike, which kind of seems to have mellowed out, and then SAG-AFTRA as well having their own strikes. But you mentioned that there was something new that has happened with that. Do you want to give a quick uh, a quick point on that? The news report has come through that the actor strike is tentatively over by the time. Um, this goes out, it should have uh, been ratified, but they still have to go through and have a vote with the actors to completely and utterly shut it down. But it has been six months of no work in Hollywood. So, you know, everyone is looking at this and hoping that it's all, it is true, that the, the news is true. But yeah, that's the latest. We haven't got any detail on what was actually agreed, but it looks like um, the actor strike is now over. Okay, we'll probably dedicate a, a future episode talking more about what the actors are complaining about, what the uh, what the argument is all about, and what the strike, what will bring to end the strike when it happens. But we'll talk about that later on. But before we do that, let us jump into our spotlight segment. Now, in spotlight, we want to we want to bring on uh, somebody we've already had on, on one of our shows before, uh, and he's he's uh, he's a very very funny comedian who is doing the rounds just as I am on the uh, open circuit in London, 
and he's making a name for himself. We're going to get, get talk about the projects that he's working on, uh, you know, soon. Some of the things that some news might even break, depending on if he's willing to talk about it. But we'll see how we go from there. So please tell us your name and let's say how long you've been doing stand-up comedy. Hi, uh, I am Mac Larry. Um, I've been doing stand-up comedy for a uh, hard question, actually. Uh, two years consistently. Um, and then I started just, just before the pandemic. So eight gigs in and a nice long holiday of, of about two years. Uh, so let's call it two. You sit down and, and, and do some uh, some writing, right? So you get a whole bunch of fodder for, from COVID and the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they just thought I wasn't funny, so they decided to not go to any comedy clubs ever again. But you know, <laughs> I guess uh, maybe that's something. To do with I, I, I remember. I remember when I first met you, and it, it was it was a gig. It was at uh, it was in Elephant Castle, and it was uh, I think we'd reached out. Did I reach out to you before that? But then when you showed up, we went in, we gigged together, and you've had a hilarious comedian uh, from South Africa. Your your a lot of the jokes that you dropped. And there were a lot of people that were getting the jokes, but I got it on a different level because you had the whole African perspective to it. And it's like there's a there's an element of that camaraderie that I felt. And I've watched you perform after that as well. It's still just as funny. Uh, I want to ask one question I want to throw to you. Um, as somebody who is, you know, from the African diaspora, what do you find is different uh, from the different comedy clubs, that you, the different audiences that you go to perform in front of, in performing in front of an African crowd or a black crowd compared to a predominantly white crowd. What are the main differences that you find when you're performing? In short, you can say, but uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Producer David, Producer David is going to have to remember to uh, out certain words. I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure whether or not I will or what have you. I, you know, I, it's just like, oh God, the N word, and from a black man, all you know, it's just like, woof, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> no, look, I'll, I'll, I'll contextualize it. Um, so I, I gig in South Africa as well. Um, I still consider at my home, so I don't quite consider myself part of the diaspora, even though I live here. <laughs> um. And the ability to talk about race and how you talk about race and how much care and attention you have to pay around the subject of race is very different depending on the makeup of audiences and your geography. Um, in South Africa, we it's, it's, it's just part of our DNA. You know, it's part of our story. It's open conversation. You can talk about it. You can laugh about it. It's fine. Um, in the UK, depending on the mix of the audiences, uh, predominantly white audience, you have to do a little bit of, you know, skirting around. You don't want to alienate your audience as a comedian. You, you're there to build a connection. You're there to all have a, a joint experience and laugh. Um, so you don't want to make them feel uh, unnecessarily uncomfortable. Uh, so you, 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 you're very careful about how you bring, you know, topics of race in and out. And with a predominantly black audience, um, it's similar-ish to South Africa, but we've got a different point of reference. I can still call them colonizers or whatever, and you know, because you know they're still here and they still have the accents, which is you know part of the the comedy for me. Um, but collectively, we understand uh, the the human experience, and that's our shared experience of of racism, and then we can make light of that. So that's the 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 short answer, uh, the long answer of the short one, which uh, is probably the most accurate way to say it. <laughs> It'll be a, a, a TL, TLDR <laughs> kind of response to that. Uh, so, okay, so just spinning from that same question, uh, have you had any situations where you've used race in your comedy 
and the audience has either not reacted positively or has reacted in a way that kind of threw you off guard. Oh, for sure, man. Um, so I didn't even, because I'm South African and, and I didn't think that it was that big of a deal. Uh, when I started out, uh, I, I happened to find myself in the first few clubs, uh, fairly diverse groups of, of audience members. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, I can do this stuff. It's cool. It's funny. People enjoy it. And then one day, I'll never forget this. I'm not going to out the club, but I walked into this place and I looked at the audience and I thought, I don't think today is going to be my day, <laughs> you know, from, from the makeup. And I was 100% uh, right. Um, it just didn't didn't go down particularly well. It wasn't just uh, the, the demographic around race. It was also age. So I thought, oh, that's two for two. Like, um, <laughs> this is uh, this is not going to be a good day out out the office. Um, and because of that experience, I thought, okay, well, I need to be a lot more aware of uh, when I walk into a place, what the makeup looks like and, and how to craft the jokes so that people can relate to them. I don't change what I'm talking about. Um, because I think it's really important as a comedian to be sincere and be yourself and tell your story and, and share your worldview. Uh, but I do, I am careful about how I craft like the order of jokes and the entries and exits so that it's, it's less of a hard impact. I'll, I'll be honest. Some days I just don't care. And I'm going to go out and <laughs> say what I want because I think it's funny enough. Sometimes I feel like people, people need to hear some things. Uh, but by and large, I try and accommodate the audience as, as much as possible whilst maintaining your, um, uh, you know, your professionalism and your sincerity and in, in your integrity in, in your work. I know what you're talking about when you, you said both the racial mix and the, uh, the age mix as well of the audience and it's it's i've found the same thing at certain points because i'm at a certain point in my life with certain type of experiences with you know marriage and kids and all that stuff depending on which venue you go to if you go into like central london and go to some of the open mic nights during the i guess it's during the week and you get to find the population that are there are usually young people who who are in university and don't have to get up the next morning to go to work and as such that's what they put so they don't get the idea of kids and and all that kind of stuff so all the jokes i was having about my kids and how crazy they are yeah whatnot would just went down like a lead balloon um <laughs> with like maybe one or two people in the back who are older who have gone through that cackling away of like you know that's like a black audience member but then and then there's also the the ethnicity side of things because I, I think because i've been doing a lot of gigs in front of a predominantly white um audiences a lot of the stuff i recorded a gig recently and i played it for my brother actually he was at he was at the show and he said he as soon as we got off he was like you do know that if you ever go in front of a black audience and you do that set you just there nobody it would just be crickets throughout i'm like yeah that's something i want to try i haven't had the opportunity yet but i'm working my way to doing that just pretty soon i'll get that but I, i've got a whole stack of nigerian jokes ready ready to go for it so we'll see oh well maybe you two should um get together and do a do a comedy night together well well we might talk about that in a few minutes let's yeah, say for sure. <laughs> you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. i'm producer dave and we are speaking with comedian Mac Larry, uh, who is running, a, he's going to be hosting at the Kilburn Comedy Club all through the month of November. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. Mac Larry, let's jump into first the venue, what you're going to be doing, how people can get there, what they can do. And then I want to jump back in and talk about some TV 
theme film stuff that you that um that you've been watching to do with comedy so let's go uh kilburn comedy let's talk about that first um where is it located and how did you uh sort of get to start working as an mc there yeah for sure um so kilburn comedy club is in kilburn i think high street uh, i feel like you know lots of shops uh it's located at a, a pub called boko there's like a little section at the back that they've nicely uh dedicated to us um for wednesdays uh, so we're every wednesday night um i will be there for the month of november because the regular host uh, is in new york uh, doing a little bit of uh, expanding his horizons and all that kind of stuff. So he called me up and said, look, man, I did the gig once or twice before as both as an MC and, and as an act uh, and asked me to, to fill in for the month. Uh, I've got uh, some good acts on, including uh, someone that I'm talking to right now. Um, well, Dave is going to be performing at Kilburn Covenant Club? <laughs> <laughs> um, I try and keep it diverse because if you go to comedy clubs in London, um you can be pigeonholed into a certain perspective and view depending on, on the clubs. Uh, so I try and make sure that my uh, lineups are internationally diverse, ethnically diverse, uh, gender diverse as much as I can um, because there aren't that many female comics and they're very hot property. So it's hard to uh, <laughs> to rope them all in all the time. Uh, but it, but every one of my lineups has at least uh, one female act uh, on. It's, it's just a good, nice, fun place you can go. Um, some of the pros are trying out new stuff. Some of the other guys are just trying to make sure that they can test the material in, in different environments we had a very very international audience last night because i got a last minute uh, call up from somebody that was touring from the states um and you know you can't go to a big club on the day before and say hey can i come in and do a quick set they'll be like bro we've been booked up for like the last few months but <laughs> so i said yeah it's fine we, we accommodated them um and then they brought a lot of like their international friends that we had Americans and Chileans and Colombians and Argentinians. It was it was the most international audience I've had at that place, to be honest. Um, but it's it's just a cool spot. Uh, so it's every Wednesday half seven at uh, Boko in Kilburn. That so so um you as you you're doing uh, you even said that at that club the Kilburn Comedy Club you've done spots there and then now you're doing MC spots for people who aren't really familiar with the you know the life of a comedian what is the difference between an MC and a comedian doing an open spot and what what sort of skill set do would you recommend people can develop to be able to do one or the other uh in short the mc spot is uh, a license to not be funny on the evening you can <laughs> try whatever you want <laughs> i have it bombs nobody cares a lot, of MC, <laughs> a lot of mcs have heard that and gone hey <laughs> <laughs> Nah, so so your your normal stand-up comedian uh, goes up, they do their jokes, or what you know, in whatever form they do, uh, they have an allotted period of time, and then they leave, and that's their job. Uh, their job is to be as funny as they can in the time they've been allotted, um, given whatever the circumstances of the room are. Uh, the MC's role is to command that room, to manage the energy, um, to get people feeling that sense of connectedness. Uh, with uh, with the show so that they don't feel like they're watching it on TV. It's a, li it's a live performance, right? So you want to get people the sense that they're actually there in the room. So your job as an MC is to bring people in um, to manage the energy so that the comedians can come on and people are ready for comedy um, because there's nothing worse than, than starting up, no matter how good your jokes are, into a dead, cold, silent room and having to build it up by yourself as a comedian. Um, so that's that's the MC's role. And, and the kind of stuff you learn is 
um, being flexible and adaptable, um, being able to think on your feet, because uh, you'll make comments about, you know, whatever, people's relationships or where they're from or the experience of coming to the venue or the venue itself, whatever you can think of um, based on how you interact with the audience. You do a lot of audience interaction, not so much like straight joke telling. So would you say that um, an MC, a comedy MC is basically not only a warm-up comedian because they have to get the audience primed, but also they're the energy master that comes on after a comedian who may have bombed and kind of lifts them up again in time for the next comedian or what have you, or sort of like flatten them down from a previous successful comedian. Is that what yeah. you're saying? 100%. So so all of those things. Uh, and, and my measure for how well I think I've done at a gig is... Uh, uh, how long the MC felt he needed to come on after I went on. So, so if the MC does like a whole 10 minute set after you're done, then you know <laughs> you probably haven't done a great job. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. You know, I had never actually thought of that as well. So I'm going to have to be paying attention because one of the things I was going to say, I, I don't like it when some MCs go on is there are two situations I've always encountered where I, I, I see where one is where it's literally a case of, I get off the I get off stage and the MC comes in and says, That was Marcus Acco. Here's the new person coming on. And the next person comes on. I, I'm okay with it if it's after my set because I don't have to be waiting. But when I'm waiting for an MC, when someone goes on, and this is the one bit that irritates me. So somebody goes on and I'm about to go and do my set and I'm ready and I'm waiting and I'm jazzed and ready to go. And then the MC starts going to his own bit and starts doing like workshopping a few gags or whatever. And I'm like, Come on, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm amped. I want to go on there. So I never even thought about the fact that actually that's the MC's job to modulate depending on how the other person went. If they were really, really good, they have to bring the level down a bit. But if they were really, really bad, they have to bring the level back up again. So uh, so with yeah. that in mind, let me ask you, McLaren, you've been on the, on the circuit for a bit. Give, give shout out to some of the best MCs that you have had on gigs that you've been at. Oh, for sure. Um, so, uh, for a shop, uh, she runs a gig called Pine Size um, in Islington. One of the best MCs I've seen, period, um, pro or non. Um, Michael, I was going to say McIntyre. Michael May, um, what is he MC? He used to MC at... Um, in Stockwell at Comedy Virgins, but he's he's moved up in the world now. Comedy Virgins, as the name implies, literally that's the first place if you decide you want to go and do comedy, go to Cavendish Arms uh, on Monday nights and just go and do. It's the most supportive audience possible. I did my second gig there and I came away with a trophy. And that's the only trophy I've won in comedy <laughs> throughout. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you sent me and made me feel like this was easy. And in the very end, yeah, although the first one was the Ding Dong Gong show, which was basically me setting my expectations as to where I was going to be. But uh, but you said Matt has now moved on from uh, from Comedy Virgins. Michael May, I I'm not sure if he's still there. I haven't been there in a long time, but um, okay. he uh, is definitely one of the best. Uh, and the rest of them escape me, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, Dennis that, felt pretty good. You've given us two who gave you, who, who stuck in your mind, Farashop and uh, Michael Michael May. I, I've seen Michael, Michael May at Ding Dong. Uh, he's, he's, he's very good. He is very good. Farah, I haven't seen a do emceeing. I know I've, I've, I've 
performed. I've gigged after her, and literally, it's like as soon as she left the room, she sucked all the energy out of the room. That was my third performance. <laughs> it was the third performance, so I sucked at that, that point. But it was like I got on stage and I was like, "Should we bring Farah back on? <laughs> She's much better." <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, and Pine Sides is 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 a spot I'm trying to get. I want to get. They booked me on and then cancelled. I think they probably saw my act. And then decided no, we're fine. This week we're not gonna put on the show, but next week we're back with a whole bunch of new people. I'm like, thanks. Okay, that's fair enough. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us funny South African comedian Mac Larry, who is uh, hosting at the Kilburn Comedy Club all of November. It's Wednesday, 7:30. Go find it. Go and check it out. And I may be making an appearance on the 22nd of November. I'm not making any promises. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll come and do. Have I got a five or ten minute spot? Uh, uh, tennis, uh, come on. Yeah, you, know, you know how we do for the homies. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Excellent. No, no, since this is a film and TV uh, uh, show, let's jump into some uh, some TV shows and some comedy stuff that you've been watching. So uh, I, I spoke to you earlier before we jumped on the show. And there was a TV show that you mentioned on Netflix that you've been watching let's 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 share what are you watching that's comedic on tv uh i mean there's two well one that i've watched for a while so i watch mostly animated stuff i'll be honest um so the one is archer uh, yeah. uh which i love it's like a, an absolute classic uh and then i also started uh, recently watching kim's convenience which is just cool my wife loves korean culture and, and all that kind of stuff so i thought well let's watch something together and, and enjoy and and see what it's about and they're both Great show. It's very different, but <laughs> but both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like if, if it, it's not one of those things where it's like if you like Archer, you might like Kim's Convenience. Nah. No, it's completely <laughs> different. And I've seen Kim's Convenience, um, sort of you know around, and it was mainly around. It was it was when um, what is it? Uh, Shang Chi and the and the Ten Rings came out. Yeah. Because. Uh, Simu Liu, Liu is is in that. It's a Canadian yeah. uh, sitcom, and I'd seen it. I'm like, I might dive into it, and I just I, was, I just kept on putting it on the list. And then you mentioned that you were watching it, and I'm like, let me go and check it out. It's got five seasons on Netflix. I watched five minutes, no, not even five minutes. I watched three minutes of the first episode, and I was in. I texted you straight away. I was like, I watched this. I'm in. I'm I'm in one hundred percent. Paul Sung Hyun Lee plays Appa, who's the main character, Mr. Kim, and he is he's basically he's he's Mr. Miyagi, uh, but a Korean version of Mr. Miyagi, uh, but a funny version. I mean, Mr. Miyagi from those and we're not we're not talking the Jackie Chan version of Mr. Miyagi because <laughs> again, depending on which generation you are, I say Mr. Miyagi, and then somebody's going to say, "Oh, you mean Jackie Chan?" and I want to punch him in the face because I mean, I like Jackie Chan, but that's not Karate Kid. That's a completely different film. We're talking the the original to Karate Kid, the original. Um, what's what's his uh, producer Dave? Do you remember the the name of the actor? Who played the um, the original Mr. Miyagi? Uh, no, back- I, I remember. I I can visualize him, but I cannot remember his name. Oh, it it it. it oh, it, it, as soon as as soon as we finish this episode, it's going to jump into my because he was on Happy Days as well. He was Al on Happy Days, and then he went and did um, and he blew up with um, anyway. Either way, this uh, Mr. Uh, Paul's uh, son Hyung Lee, who plays Appa, Mr. Kim, 
He is. That's what I thought. I thought he's Mr. Miyagi without the martial arts and more of the comedy, but still with the insight, insightfulness. I mean, it's like the way he zeroes in. The very first bit, I'm not spoiling anything. It's like the first three minutes of the first episode where uh, two customers come in and they want to hang a gay pride um, flag or poster <laughs> on his window. And he says, no. And you're thinking it's going to go down in one direction. He's like, no, it's not because I'm I, I, I hate gay. Your poster is terrible. You can do a poster, and I'm like, my guy. I'm in. I'm down. down. Uh, so yeah. So uh, Kim's Convenience on Netflix, five episodes, five seasons, and then Archer. Okay, how how far into Archer are you? I've watched them all, but but because we chatted earlier, I was like, I can remember. The second last season, but I can't remember the the last, the very last season. Yeah. Um, which I think is season like thirteen or something. I don't know. There's, there's a few of them. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, I was checking it out, and then I was like, oh yeah, I did watch all of this. <laughs> so I've watched everything. I've watched all the Archers. So I I I I used to watch Archer. I used to be very like de- dedicated to when a, a season would drop. I would just I binge the whole thing, watch it multiple times. Really, really loved the, the show, until it got to a, a point where. I think they didn't want to, or they didn't, either they didn't want to, or for writer's reasons or whatever, they didn't have the, I I don't know why, but they switched the way they started doing it, where it wasn't about the storyline, there was, you know, about the characters in the spy agency, they started switching it up, where, I mean, I think one of the seasons was a full flashback to, uh, to kind of like a Sunset Boulevard type scenario where you you start the season with him being shot in the back and so on and then the next as soon as that season finished it jumped to um to what is it it jumped to space or something like that and Mm. i i and i so i stopped watching it from that point because i was like i i don't know what's going on but i guess I, i need to jump back in i still i love the humor of archer it's great it's basically james bond if he was a douchebag. That's the best way I can. <laughs> and, oh, if... if it was more of a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, part of that is, uh, you know, you start writing out of ideas after <laughs> a certain period of yeah. time. But that particular one that you're talking about, one of the main actors died, right? So the yes. the butler, forget his yeah. name. Um, I, I, I know what you were talking about. Yes, because they did the. the I I didn't know about that before watching that season, and that's what I remember the most about that particular season because Archer goes to his his um his gravesite, and that's when and and the way that episode hit, it hit differently, and that made yeah. me go and Google it, and it was like, oh, so the actor that played that character died, so that's why they did that because it was uh, it was good. So, but you know. Yeah, so that whole black and white season was kind of like a nod to to that actor, and um, and that, and then the next season, I think maybe they they wanted to do something just out there so that yeah. they could like release themselves from because he was a main driving point in the plot as well, right? He yeah. was always covering up for Archer and 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 that kind of stuff, and he was yeah. a connection between Archer and his mom, and they didn't have that anymore. So I think they needed just a completely different like setting so that mm-hmm. they could try and refigure out the dynamics between the characters uh and then then they realized they could do it in any setting with the characters and then it started to become like you know kind of ducktailsy crazy i think the next one is yeah. like some funny island somewhere almost grand theft auto actually um but i just I, I like the the kind of humor that it is it's very simple and basic and it's like it reminds me of like old Chappelle, like 
yes. know, killing me softly <laughs> kind yeah. of era where it's just childish humor but that's the stuff that for me that makes me laugh the hardest like I, intellectual stuff is great and when you can combine that the two i think that's like my sweet spot add a little bit of um uh just really out there strange concepts or themes or tools um theatrical tools and and you've got like the weirdest wildest most childish humor but also intelligent which is a very specific niche <laughs> it's like the kind of stuff that uh that i like abstract Absolutely. yeah you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we are speaking with uh, comedian McLarry, who is hosting at the uh, Kilburn Comedy Club all of November, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Go check it out. I've got a 10-minute spot on the 22nd. So if you're around in London, go and spend 10 minutes, see my show, and then leave. No, I'm kidding. Stay for the rest. Of, <laughs> stay for the rest of the night and see and support all the uh, other comedians. You never know who might be hanging in the wings. It could be, uh, I don't know, um, Ramesh Ranganathan, or it could be, uh, you know, says, I don't know, Catherine Catherine Ryan, or even Dave Chappelle. For all I know, I'm kidding. I don't. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> I don't know. One of them might be there. You might. You need to stay I for wish. the whole thing to be able to see. Uh, just before we we wrap up and send you away. Um, Best your in your right now. I haven't prepared you for this, but just straight off the bat, what is your favorite comedy movie of all time? Off the off the top. Off the top, um, always that movie with the with the dads where they um they tried to cover up like a they tried to get someone murdered. It was uh, Jamie Fox and oh um yes it's. It's got Ted Lasso in it. It's got um and um horrible bosses. Horrible bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, because they they're trying so to hire he... Jamie Fox to be the the hitman to kill their bosses. Each yeah, because them. he went to jail and he's black, right? Jason yeah. <laughs> Sudeikis. Um, oh, uh, the guy from from Ozark. Again, I'm terrible with names. But him, Jason Bateman, that's it. Jason Bateman. And again, I'm watching him on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie Day. That's it. I've got I've got to I've got to work through the whole thing. I'm gonna say like, Ted Lasso, <laughs> the actor, Jason Sudeikis, that's it. And then uh uh Ozark, Arrested Development, Jason Bateman, and so on. But anyway, so that's you so that's the first one. I'm sure you're gonna as soon as we hang that's up just a couple of my top you're of my like, mind, um, because I laughed very hard when I watched it the first time and you remember those things like those moments the movies that that did that to you and there's not that many that made me laugh as hard as that one did it's mostly Jamie Foxx's character and the interaction with them and then like at the end they were like well, what did you expect I just went to jail I didn't <laughs> I, was like, I love what they did here <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go coming to America trading places like the Eddie Murphy stuff from back in the day or you know, I whatever like this- I like the stand-ups. If you asked me oh. the stand-ups, then I would have been like, you know, Eddie Murphy stand-ups, that kind of stuff. But comedy movies, uh, abstracty stuff, man. That's, that's all right. Cool. All right. So you you brought stand-ups. Let's wrap it up. I know we've got a few more, just a couple more minutes. Um, so top three be- favorite, because I can't say best, because everyone says best. Your f- top three favorite stand-up comedians of all time. Go. Uh, so Chappelle's my number one. Um, uh, George Carlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably close. 
<clears throat> after that, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> There's a whole lot of people. <laughs> Fair um, enough. You've got, you've got two. You've got two. Priest Dave, let me throw I'm, to you. I'm throwing you oh, yeah, under the bus, Priest Dave. Priest Dave, I'm throwing you under the bus. Your top two favorite comedians of all time. Um, well, Eddie Murphy and yeah. Richard Pryor. Okay, cool. Um, McLaren, I think I cut you off. You were about to say somebody else? No, saying what I would say is somebody that surprised me that I didn't think I would like as much as I as I do um, is Taylor Tomlinson because she is a yeah. young white female. Yeah. Um, and her, her first like big special was called Quarter Life Crisis, and I thought to myself, what? How am I going to relate to this person? You know, I don't think this is the humor that I'm going to go for. So I didn't even bother looking at it. Then I saw a clip. Yeah. on a short clip of one of the jokes and i thought this is potentially brilliant watched it and i was like this is one of the most prolific writer com comedic writers and you know, in today and i was just like so she's uh, she's amazing um so, so, just... so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be very brief with this and i'm gonna say this right so T taylor tomlinson made me question my life let me explain why um, so same thing as you just said. So I, I heard that she was, you know, doing, you know, doing a circuit, heard her, uh, her special had dropped on Netflix and I heard that she was the next big thing. I'm like, you know, she's like 25, 26. How old is, you know, how, how am I really going to enjoy it? And I went to watch her and I watched it and same thing. I watched quarter life crisis and then I watched the special that she did just before that afterwards and so on. I watched it and I was like, this woman is amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. Love the jokes. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm really attracted to this woman. I think she's very <laughs> attractive. And then I had to question myself. I was like, why is it that when it comes to women who are great at stuff that they do, that I really like, I immediately get drawn to them in a sexual manner. It's never a situation with something like Dave Chappelle, where I think how, that he constructed that, or Jon Stewart. They constructed those jokes amazingly well. I want to have sex with them. I never think that. <laughs> Why? So, so I had to really question the way I see things in life because of Taylor Tomlinson. But she's now got a, a new late night show after um, yeah, Stephen Colbert. Good. So that's great. Taylor Tomlinson, fantastic. McLarry, I want to take this time to thank you very much for coming and joining us on our uh, on our show today. Our very humble show and uh, entertaining producer Dave, uh, who's going to be who's listening to the jokes that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, so definitely, if you're in London, in Kilburn, go and see McLarry every Wednesday in the month of November at the Kilburn Comedy Club from 7.30 p.m. on the 22nd. I'm going to be there. And uh, we are, I was not going to mention this, but I figured we've got one one minute to go. So I'm just going to drop this in there. There is a potential that produce, that um, McLarry and I are going to be working on a show together going forward. Uh, so yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on this show a lot more we'll talk about that as we keep building it up who knows you might hear my material and go yeah i can't make it that week anymore and then <laughs> so i want to thank you and i want to thank everybody for listening to us on uh, shoot the breeze and on resonance 104.4 fm uh, thank you very much for listening to it i have been marcus e Ako. and i'm producer dave and thank you very much for listening and speak to you all next time goodbye bye